Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 183 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. Today's episode, of course, is episode number 183. It's with Mandy, who is the mom of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes. This episode is sectional. Not like a sofa, but it happens in sections. There's like the beginning section, the middle section, and the end. Each uniquely interesting. Each unto itself. I had trouble, much trouble, choosing the name for today's episode. I've written down eight options. Wrong hospital, right diagnosis. Don't trade 29 days. The first lie we told ourselves. Insulin. I need more insulin. Everyone sit down. Let's figure this out. But I couldn't decide what to call it. Hmm. I still don't know. Oh well. I'll surprise myself when I type it into the... You know, the typey thing. Where I put the words. Two last things. One, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise. And two, tickets have just gone on sale for Dancing for Diabetes' big show in Orlando. The show's coming up on November 10th. It's at the Bob Carr Theater in Orlando. Those of you who know it know it's a beautiful facility. You can get your tickets now. Go to dancing4diabetes.com. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Oh, you're so clear. Oh, two days in a row, everybody's been clear. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have my video on, I don't think, you right? Sh- you should. Can you see no, me? No okay. video, because it just eats up bandwidth. Um, All right. So I tried last week with someone three different times, and every connection they had was terrible. Um, oh, no. And then I got into a panic, and the person I did yesterday was so crystal clear like you are. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Um, <laughs> it's just well, one, that, one less thing to think about. That's right. Look at your picture. You have like a whole family full of people. I do. I do. She's the youngest. Kayla's our youngest. She's right in front in that image? That's right. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So, Mandy, I think that this is going to be interesting. We are uh, going to be... Um, battling a little bit with Arden's taking a quiz right now and her blood sugar's the tiniest bit low. So I'm going to be doing that at the same time. No problem. I'm Mandy and my husband is Paul and we have three girls. They are 13, 11, and 8. And our 8-year-old Kayla is the one that has type 1 diabetes. And she was diagnosed? She was diagnosed when she was five and a half. You guys started with just like a meter and pens and stuff like that, right? Yeah, she was uh, in the beginning of kindergarten. And when we went to, uh, after that, when we left the hospital, we left with injections and really no conversation of any other options at that point. So it's interesting. Is it like no one mentioned to you there are these things that pump insulin or like none of that really happened? No. Any type one in the family, um, endocrine issues, anything like that that makes this less? Like, oh, how did that happen? Actually, Kayla joined our family through adoption. And we had uh, some medical history, and type 1 was um, in that. So we we did know that there was a possibility. I was not familiar with the odds of that, of as far as whether or not that made her very likely to get it or just somewhat likely. Right. Um, so when she was about 3... I actually remember talking to the pediatrician about it and her saying, you know, it's something we definitely need to watch for. And so I think in my head, 
once we had that conversation, it was like on her plate (laughs) to remember that we needed to watch for it. And I don't, you know, and so for me, when signs and symptoms started to appear, it did not, it did not cross my mind until actually the day that she was going to the doctor because she had been having, she'd been wetting her bed at night multiple times. Some nights she would, she actually would bed hop. She'd wet her bed and she'd decide, I'm not sleeping in this. And so she'd go climb into bed with one of her sisters or us, and then she'd wet that bed. (laughs) And it was, it was one of those things where she hadn't been out of pull-ups for more than probably six months at night. So I just thought, oh, that's weird. Why is she wetting the bed again? And then after about a week of changing sheets and doing multiple loads of laundry, I kind of had this moment where I was getting really frustrated with her and thinking like, what is going on? And then I just had this moment where I went, something's not right. This isn't normal. I should call the doctor. And I really thought she must have like a UTI or something like that. And so I called the doctor and scheduled for her to go in for a urinalysis after school. And that day at school, she had an accident at school. And I just thought, this is so weird. And so I was at lunch with a friend that day and I was just kind of telling her what was going on. And in that conversation, in the back of my mind, I went, I wonder if this is diabetes. And I remember dismissing it and thinking, no way, it's not. And so it can't be that. And then so when we went, when my husband took her to the doctor after school, uh, you know, she did her urine test and they left waiting for, you know, thinking we'll just get the results when we get them. And so the nurse let them go. And while they were driving home, the doctor called me and said, uh, is, is Paul home with the girls yet? And I said, no. And she said, I think I need him to turn around. Or she said, I need him to turn around. And uh, can you call him? And I was like, yeah, why? And she said, well, we found glucose in her urine and I need her to come back. And I just, at that moment, I knew. And I was like, okay. And um, actually, I didn't know. I would say that my thought was like, it could be. I didn't realize that the only way that happened usually was with type one. So it creeped into your head, but it didn't like flip a light switch for you. No, and no. Even when and you were having lunch with your friend. Like, did you verbalize your, your thought or did it just kind of pop into your head? It just went through my head. It never came out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. I just thought, Oh, wait a minute. Now that I'm talking about this, I guess I think that could be diabetes. Yeah. So, um, so it was actually a comedy of errors from that point. She, they tur- So I called my husband, they turned around, they went back. And, um, they, they did a finger prick and I guess, of course I'm not there. So I'm at home like Googling, you know, glucose and urine and trying to like, you know, put my, wrap my mind around the options. And, uh, I guess when they checked her sugar the first time, she was actually low and the doctor, I now know this, you know, after she called me and explained what happened, it was low. And so that panicked them too, because now she has glucose in her urine, but her sugar's low. Mm-hmm. So they had a cookie at the office. So they gave her a cookie and waited a little bit of time and tested her again. And I guess her sugar at that point came up to about like 90s after the cookie. Okay. And so the doctor called me as Paul was driving home and said, and he said, uh, or she said, uh, you know, this is what I want you to do. She said, I want her to come home. This is really weird. It's, it's a little weird that she was low, but... Our, I don't trust our machine, <laughs> which that's, that's reassuring. Um, and so she said, she's a great doctor. And she said, but I, I feel like this is, I feel like this is, you know, you're going to need to go to the emergency room. 
but here's what I want you to do. She said, I want you to, when she gets home, I want you to feed her a normal meal, but I also want you to give her like, do you have like Gatorade or apple juice or something like that? Uh, and I said, yeah, I have that. And so she said, okay, I want you to give her a normal meal, but also give her, make sure she has a drink that has high sugar. And, um, and then I want you to get packed and I want you to take her to the ER. She said, I'm going to call ahead and let them know you're coming. I know somebody over there and I just, I just want them to have a heads up. And I was like, okay. okay. So that's what we did. And I packed up and I took her to the ER and it was so funny because the ER acted like they had no idea we were coming. Uh, and so I kept thinking that's weird, but then they tested her sugar pretty soon after we got, you know, back to a room and she was six Oh nine. And so they were like, okay, you know, she has diabetes. Actually, they didn't even tell me that, that, that moment, they just said, we need to admit her and we will, we'll be back, you know, kind of thing. So it wasn't until we got admitted and up to the pediatric unit that I think I finally asked the doctor, so does she have type one diabetes? And they said, yes. And I said, for sure. And they said, yes. And so, um, what's funny about that story though, is that the pediatrician had called the children's hospital Mm -hmm. an hour away. And that's who she had warned we were coming. (laughs) You went to the wrong hospital. (laughs) So we went to the wrong hospital. I either, I either, she forgot to mention that, or I was just in, you know, in my own state of shock and trying to figure things out that I didn't hear that part. And so when I called her from the hospital, I said, well, we're here and here's her sugar and they're admitting us. And she's like, that's so weird. Where are you? And I said, I'm at, you know, the the Sarasota (laughs) hospital. And she said, Oh, I wanted you to go to St. Pete. And I was like, Oh, oops. (laughs) Well, you're lucky Kayla wasn't older. She'd be like, I can't believe of all the people who could have adopted me. These people got me. (laughs) I know. I know. But you know, what's crazy is if we had gone to St. Pete, we found out later that they wouldn't have admitted us because she was not in, um, what is it? D- DKA? I'm getting really? That's, yeah, that's she what was, they want? That's what they want. And so they would have literally given us an on, they would have given us what we needed to go home and, sent you right and then start things. And so instead we ended up staying in the hospital for three days and got all of our training and everything while we were there. Well, that, that ends up being lucky for sure because yeah. I don't like the idea of just being like, hey, okay, we well, have diabetes, here's your stuff and we'll see you later. Oh, um, I can't imagine. You know, we don't have any beds for this. and yeah, We spent... Three days in the hospital, I think. Okay. And and that was that was just enough to panic me and teach me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds actually somewhat familiar too. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I felt pretty firmly sure I was going to kill her by the third day. I was like, okay, well, this has just been explained to me that I'm I'm outmatched. Yeah. Well, okay. So, geez, uh, that's a lot. You know what I'm going to do? Let me just type something into my browser here. My omnipod.com forward slash juice box quest a free demo kit there's a handsome man holding a book and smiling what do i do i scroll down it says hey you like freedom don't you try a pod for free to experience how literally it can truly be actually that word's liberating which now makes more sense try a pod for free to experience how liberating it can truly be i do not practice these ads If you're considering insulin pump therapy, it goes on to say, the best way to understand the comfort and convenience the Omnipod system offers is to try it firsthand. I could not agree more. So get a free demo kit, which includes a sample non-functioning pod and see what you think. There's no obligation to buy. It says here that you can wear a non-functioning pod to see how it feels. 
you can find the area on the body that works best for you, and you can feel the freedom you could have with the Omnipod system. That's it. And there's this adorable little kid here playing with the toy dinosaur. Request my free demo kit. What do I have to do? First name, Scott. Easy. Last name, Benner. I know this. Easy. Zip code. I know my zip code. It's five digits. Then an email address, which I also know. I'll use my Arden's Day email address. And a phone number. Okay. And then click the big red thing that says request your demo. That's it. Listen, please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Or if you want to help out the podcast, find the links at juiceboxpodcast.com or in your podcast player. Because when you make the clicky on those links, you know, Omnipod knows you came from here. You going to do it? You should. There's ways people do things. And the minute you disrupt them with not what they're expecting, stuff does get thrown into upheaval. Um, yeah. And you see at the doctor's office, like the doctor's office is accustomed to things going in a certain way. And then the minute it doesn't kind of work out right, everybody gets nuts. Like, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, like it really is. Do you ever call someone on the phone, like a customer service person? And if you, if you get chatty with them and don't let them go through their script the way they're supposed to, <laughs> inevitably yeah. at the end, nothing works out the way it's supposed to for you. Right. Yeah. Because they're on autopilot and then you start interjecting different information that they're not accustomed to, to dealing with. I think that mm-hmm. might've happened to you maybe, yeah. tw- maybe twice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that was our, that was our entry into this world. Okay. And you and I are talking because yeah, this, this poor podcast needs to come out more frequently than once a week because I, I, I'm so slow to get to people, but you and I spoke originally back at the beginning of 2017. This will freak freak people out when they end up listening to it, like in the spring of 2018 or something like that. Right. But, but, um, but you were just like, like, Hey, I'm, I think I'm, I found the podcast and we're getting a pump and I think it's great. And you were just like, do you have any ideas of things I should know or wonder about prior to going in for this pump class? And I, much like I usually do email back and say, I really don't want to type all that out. So I'd be willing willing to talk to you on the phone, but there's no way I'm going to type any of this out uh, because I'm lazy and my typing skills are not great. Um, For a person who wrote a book, I don't type well. (laughs) So it's sort of fascinating. That's an issue. Yeah, yeah, it it, it definitely is. I was much better during that period of time while I was writing, but now I I look down again and I'm like, oh, I'm not as good at this as I, I was. But so we had this really nice conversation that went, I thought, well, and, you know, time passed. I must have mentioned during the conversation that this would be interesting, like hearing about the transition from, you know, because you were really going through it from needles and a meter to a pump and a glucose monitor. uh, And you did end up with a Dexcom and an Omnipod, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes. After we spoke, really, your podcast, it was so enlightening. Um, I don't even remember... Like, you know, the the process of my brain going like, maybe there's a type 1 diabetes podcast out there I mm-hmm. should try to find. And, uh, but I did, and I found yours. And uh, it, was, it was one of those moments where I just, I realized that there was this whole other side that I, I can't say I was, un- I, I definitely understood that there were pumps out there. And there have been some conversations between my endocrinologist and I about a pump at some point. Uh, but the, the, the CGM, for some reason, that was nothing that, that was not ever mentioned or on my radar, to be honest. The only thing I had 
been hearing about were diabetic alert dogs. And I was thinking, well, we need to get one of those because (laughs) that would be fabulous for something to be able to notify us of her sugar either rising or dropping. And, and so when I found the podcast and I started listening, it kind of felt like a foreign language for, you know, several episodes because I'm thinking I've just not ever, these are mind blowing concepts. And there's actually a device out there that could do what I felt like sounded like what a dog would do. And it sounded maybe more manageable. Uh, I think Kayla would still like a dog at some point, but for right now, it was just like, wait, we could do this. I have to say this, and I don't know why Dexcom doesn't use this in their marking materials, but the Dexcom does not crap in your yard. Psst, dancing for diabetes. Dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. Type it into a browser. Dancing for diabetes. Goodbye. <laughs> really <laughs> huge true. upgrade. Really huge upgrade. Um, yes, very but, true. Yeah, no, I, well, I do think that that's, I struggle with the idea that there should be an entry episode maybe, but I've watched over the years blogs struggle with that idea too. Like there should be like, Hey, if this is your first time or here's some definitions, but it's so dry and boring. And like, I just think that when people listen, if they really want the information, they'll listen through and they'll figure it out. If you know what I mean? And maybe that's the best way to reach the people who are ready for it is kind of my expectation at this point. Well, and I think it's true. My, my personality is definitely one to like be an information gatherer first and kind of think through all the options and, um, think about the things that could go right and things that could go wrong and play out the scenarios. And that's what happened by listening to, real people tell their stories. You saw a lot of variations by listening to the podcast of, I don't know, it just, it allowed me to just kind of quickly, I felt like get a bunch of information and play out some scenarios. And it really piqued my interest. And I went to my husband and I was like, okay, I know what we need to do. <laughs> and he was like, okay. Did he say and how so, much is this going to cost? That yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that should have been probably his first question, yeah. but you know, he, he, he was like, okay. And sure enough, I was having a, um, you know, she was having her three month appointment with the endocrinologist coming up. And so we went in and, and I started asking questions and she said, well, the first step for us is to do, so I definitely think that, you know, you guys are great candidates for both pieces of, you know, mm-hmm. the both devices. And, um, the, but the way we do it is you have to go to a class first. And so, that was really what then made me start thinking, well, is there a right way to do this? Do we do the Dexcom first or do we do the pump first or we do them at the same time and be super overwhelmed? I mean, you know, that's what I was thinking. And you kind of helped say, help me realize, like, just just start the process. Just right. however it ends up, you'll be happy. Whichever comes first, which if it happens at the same time, you'll, you can do it. And that was very encouraging. And so the class was great. Um, they had vendors there from all the different pump companies and they had Dexcom there. And so we, all five of us went to the class and, uh, that was good for my husband. A lot of like the terminology I was already familiar with thanks to the podcast, but for him, it was, it was like really him hearing it for the first time. And so he left excited and Kayla seemed excited. Uh, we got to the rep locally for Omnipod is also type one. 
Um, so she was wearing her, she was wearing her Omnipod. And so Kayla was, you know, intrigued by that with the sticker and whatever she had. And so we took the sample and I'd heard you mention, you know, on the ad to order your free sample so you can just wear one. And I, we, you know, it all happened so fast that I didn't get to that point except that we were just at the class and she had them. So we came home with that and put it on her. And that was, that was great because I encourage any parent who's thinking about it for that to be, you know, something they do because we wanted to know if she would, how she would react to it. And she forgot about it quickly and, uh, and really was like, yeah, it's great. I think, I think it's going to work. And so um, we then put in our prescriptions and the Dexcom got approved quickly and the pump took longer. So it was April that we went to the class and we got our Dexcom the end of May. It is quick. And what's that? That is quick. Yeah, that, that's great. And yeah, now, it was great. <laughs> but then you got, but then you started getting data feedback without the ability oh. to like manipulate the insulin as well as you could with the pump. Did it make you crazy In- at first? Incredibly frustrating. Um, like, Yes, that was, I would say that was, it was a downside and an upside because it actually made us, you know, just that much more eager to get the the pump. We thought, okay, that's okay. Now we can see what's going on and it's insane. And uh, we can't wait to think that the pump is going to be able to allow us to fine tune, you know, her doses and hopefully get this under control better. And so, uh, so then, yes, we were frustrated waiting for the pump, waiting for the pump. But it's like I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is we did the right thing ordering this pump. The bad news is we're really not very good at this. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, exactly. Because they, because when they put you in that situation where it's like, well, you put some insulin in and then you test three hours later and you yeah. go, oh, wow, look, she's 180. We didn't do bad. And then you, you get the Dexcom and you realize that her blood sugar went to like 300, it sat there, yeah. and then it came out at 250, and it slowly drifted down. And by the time the three or four hours went by, you were at 180 thinking, huh, we only missed by a little bit. But yeah, not the truth. No, it's not. And I did, I felt very, I kind of felt angry because I felt a little deceived, you know, like, right. why is this the, why is this what we've been instructed to do? It's, it's not the most effective way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, I mean, the answer ends up being that I don't think they, they, they just don't go about it the right way. I I mean, in my opinion, it all starts, it ends, it starts and ends with understanding how to use the insulin. That that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It it sounds so simple and probably annoying to hear, but you have to understand when the insulin starts working, how it starts working, how to balance it against the carbs, um, you know, how to stretch it out when you need to, how to pre-bolus when you need to. If you, if you don't do those things, it's just a, I don't know, it's just a crapshoot. I've now yeah. said crap twice in one episode. I don't think I've ever said it before. <laughs> and, and I also can't get the thought out of my head that I have to slip in at some point. The Omnipod will never pee on your carpet. But um, it just, it just, you know, it's like, it's just such a simple concept. Then they give you this thing that doesn't work the way you're coming in from the outside with a simple expectation of like, hey, insulin brings your blood sugar down. So it makes sense that you put it in and it starts to bring your blood sugar down, but it doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. But no right. one tells you that. No one, right. goes, no one goes, hey, you're going to inject this. It's probably not going to do anything for 15, 20 minutes, some people a half hour, some people longer, some people shorter. You know, um, yeah. There's three different you know, main brands of insulin and they all work sort of differently in different people. And no one says any of that to you. Right. It's fascinating, you know? Yeah. And with the Dexcom, I felt like 
not only did we not feel like we could, you know, fine tune doses because of using injections, our, our pens, our whole unit pens. So, you know, we were, okay, well, should we give two or three? You know, I mean, we couldn't do 2.3 like we would want to. And then also because you're still using injections, we would want to maybe, we would want to correct when we would see the Dexcom showing us something Mm -hmm. with like her going higher than we, we missed it, you know, but then that meant you know, sticking her again. And so because she was not used to, we didn't want her to feel like the Dexcom was suddenly, you know, a bad thing because it meant that I got, you know, seven shots a day instead of the four I was getting, you know? Yeah, this thing you said was going to make things better is getting me stuck with this needle more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the pump we knew would eliminate that once we got it. Um, But one of the, you know, one of the things I would tell parents that are making the transition is, you know, we, we, well, one good thing was that we were headed into summer, which for us, we felt like, okay, this is a great time to to kind of go down this path because we're going to have a learning curve uh, that we're going to have to go through. And my husband is a teacher, actually at Kayla's school, which works out very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were like, okay, it's going to be summer. And so that was a plus timing-wise for us. But because we didn't get that, we ended up, I'll go ahead and tell you, we didn't get the pot, Omnipod until a week and a half before school started. So <laughs> what we what we thought would be a wonderful transition, instead we spent the whole summer at the beach in the pool watching her sugar go, you know, nuts. But um, we did take, we did, one thing that ended up being in hindsight being a good thing was that we waited for a Saturday, even though I think we got the Dexcom like during a weekday, we waited until a Saturday and we just kind of cleared our calendar and we we just allowed as many hours as needed to set everything up. And it was def- it ended up being about a four hour process, which I'm going to say is probably pretty long because there was probably things that were happening in our household during that time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes a little while to get all of your smartphones hooked up the way you want and just do everything. Um, but, uh, so we just, we kind of took all of that pressure away by just having an open day to do it. And, uh, one thing we had done also was I had pre-screened some YouTube videos because I wanted to understand what we were about to do. And I will say that that ended up being really helpful for me, even though it kind of scared me because I did see some videos of kids, crying, you know, when they got it done to them. And I thought, oh boy, like this, maybe what have I, what are we getting ourselves into? Oh good. They'll be crying. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a benefit. I I didn't realize. Yeah, exactly. But I was able to go ahead and then I found the ones of kids about her age that were doing it and weren't crying. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones I showed her because (laughs) I felt like if I didn't want her I wanted her, she was nervous. I could tell she was nervous and I was nervous trying not to show it, but she was showing her nerves a little. And so watching those videos and familiarizing myself with it uh, and her was a huge plus, I think, because then when we all like, you know, gathered around to do it, I was the one to do it because I told my husband, I said, if I do, if I don't do it and it hurts her, then I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But if I do it, and it hurts her, then, well, too late. I mean, I already did it, you know, but if, you know, so that was, yeah. (laughs) So that was my, that was my process of thinking on that. And it worked out. She, she actually did great with it. She actually looked at me afterwards like, oh, okay. That That was it. That wasn't nearly what I expected or whatever. So yeah, that was a plus. I think most of that crying is anxiety. 
like yeah. it's, it's the oh what's go, what's about to happen feeling especially with you know and then then it cl- the one thing about the Omnipod too is it with self insert so it clicks yeah. so there's a there's an audible payoff at the end and it almost I guess almost like reinforces the idea that like oh see something was going to happen so you're yeah. all you're all ginned up and like tight and then you hear this click and you're like ah and, but it's, you know, <laughs> exactly yeah, but nothing really happened <laughs> right so it, she still it, she still drunk jumps at the click even though you know she continually says like no it's fine I didn't hurt you know only one time and dad did it I will say yeah. he didn't pinch up the skin well <laughs> enough around it and she looked at me like. He's never doing that again. <laughs> this is not the right that person hurt. for the job. But my yeah. my wife messed up one time putting a Dexcom sensor on, and Arden like talks about her like she's a completely inept human being. She's like, <laughs> we don't let that woman near me with that stuff. And I'm like, I, yeah. I got you. But it, it, yeah. it just it's it's and it's ridiculous. My wife's fine at it, you know. Um, right. But no, I, I hear that. Like Arden does the um, she wants people to be quiet when she puts it on because she counts the oh. clicks. Oh, like, you okay. know how it clicks? Is it? It's like click, 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 and then it inserts. Arden's like, and but it never really inserts on the same click. Like oh, some, for the pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's the yeah. fifth one, the sixth one, the fourth. You never really know. And mm-hmm. she just like she wants to hear them. I don't. Mm. I'm like, why do you care? And then and then she <laughs> then she flinches, and I inevitably go, did it hurt? And she goes, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly how Kayla is with the pod, too. Yeah, like, yep. Why, no, why are we doing hurt. all this? You know, and she's like, I, yeah. I don't know. And I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, well, so, okay. So, you, all right. So, you, 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 you went in, you asked for your stuff. It took a little bit of time, but you got it. And then it's interesting because you got the CGM first. So guys, listen, this episode was obviously recorded a while ago. So you hear me talking about Dexcom G5 and calibrating and everything. But today's today. And the Dexcom G6 is available now. And it doesn't need to be calibrated. It's also FDA approved so you can make insulin decisions without any finger sticks. This morning while I was editing this show, Arden asked me if I could make her pancakes because this is her last day of summer vacation. So I made her three huge pancakes from scratch. Actually, I used to simple recipe that's on my blog, but that's not the point. This isn't a cooking show. Anyway, I made her three big pancakes. Put them on a plate, gave her a little turkey bacon. She put a little syrup on the side, took a drink, left. We made a big bolus. We did a temp basal increase. About 45 minutes later, her blood sugar was like 110 diagonal up and we gave her more insulin and it's still 110. How did I do that? I mean, you listen to this podcast, you know how I did it. I watched what the Dexcom was telling me. And I did it while Arden wasn't with me, by the way. Sure, she was just upstairs, but I would have been just as comfortable doing that because of the Dexcom share and follow features if she was at school or at a friend's house. Dexcom share and follow is available for Android and Apple products. There's no time left in the ad now to talk about how amazing it is to be able to see someone's blood sugar when they're not with you, to see how fast it's moving and what direction it's going, but it's amazing. All you have to do to get started today is to go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Or again, if you could use the links at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of your podcast app, that would make me happier. But it would just make me happy if you tried the product. Back to the show. Isn't Mandy good? Should have probably just called the episode Mandy. Before I get to that, I want to I want to just go backwards for a second and say that what you experienced, like not understanding what a glucose monitor was and no one telling you about it, that is, I think, quite literally Dexcom's biggest hurdle is, hmm. that, is that it's just 
it's it's one of those crazy things. I always liken it to TiVo. I don't know if you have a DVR in your right. house or not, right? But TiVo is an incredibly better version of a DVR. Like it's just that any any of your like whatever you have from your cable company is nice, and I'm sure it's great, and it records your television and blah blah blah. TiVo is so much better. Mm. But how do you tell people about that? Like how do you let them know there's a thing out there when it's not something that everyone has when it's not, you know, it's not intuitive to believe that there's even a thing that would tell you what your blood sugar is doing. Like, it's not something you would just know when you're bringing brought in from the outside. And, no. and you know what I mean? Like, and you don't know anything about diabetes the day before. So their biggest, their biggest hurdle still is just people who live with type one diabetes, even just understanding what it is. And it, I find that to be terribly tragic like like it just just really is like that there's something like forget the business of it or anything like that that there's something that tells you how fast your blood sugar is moving um what direction it's going in and Mm -hmm. and and it's not something people know about that's sort of terrible yeah trying to deal with it with static information Mm -hmm. trying to make decisions based you know based on something that is a, a standalone number that yeah you have no idea like you said the direction it's moving or what it's been doing I, it feels like you're just it's like a, it's like you're dosing blind yeah. before and now it just feels like i mean are there still times where things go totally nuts yes but i it's been a huge like emotional and like mental relief once we once we found, figured out we could trust the information you right. know i mean that took a little bit of time but then it was like it it changed our fatigue as caregivers yeah. immensely oh for certain i today like just before you and i got on is a great example arden's at school and her blood sugar is i think she was 104 going in the door at school and it was nice and steady but she was having she was having this you know the drift down where the the numbers moving but the arrow never indicates that it's moving that fast right and I kept thinking like hey, it'll be okay it'll be okay and she got to eighty and I went all right you know what I'm gonna shut her basil off but then I'm texting her and she's not answering so it's like oh this timing of this is gonna get messed up because by the time I get her the basil's not gonna work like I know it right but but, but okay so you know I'm texting her texting her finally I get the text back I'm trying to take a quiz and I'm like. Oh. <laughs> I don't care. Just, you know, like, I'm like, shut your basil off. And I did so for an hour. I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. I said, but look for another text soon because we might have to put a little juice on this. Yeah. And I waited and waited and it went 80 and 76 and 72. And I was like, come on, come on. And right as you and I were getting on about a half an hour ago, it was right at 70. And I'm like, ooh, is this going to work? And you and I were on for about 10 minutes when I was like, oh, all right, she needs like a little bit of juice. Because she went to 68, and I was like, all right, yeah. all right. So she drank a half a juice, she waited, and now it's holding at 68. And I can tell on the Dexcom, the bend of the line, that it's coming back up again. Yeah. And so not only did you know Arden didn't have to go to a nurse or go, you know, like drink a ton of stuff and have her blood sugar shoot back up again, but right. her blood sugar is going to sit right around 70 um, for probably end up being like 40 minutes. And I can tell by the bend in the line from my experience, she's going to go back up to about 85 or 90 and sit there again. So we address this kind of drifting low blood sugar without creating a high. And all that comes from the information that I get back from the glucose monitor and the the ability to shut off her basal and all these things that I find myself repeating over and over again, but I don't think anyone really appreciates until they get the stuff in their hands and they can try it. Um, What was your experience 
once you had the gear and you were trusting the information because that is, I don't know if you've ever heard me say this convoluted sentence on the podcast, but you have to, to make these decisions, you have to trust that what you know is going to happen is going to happen, which is not always easy to to do in the beginning, I guess. No, it's not. And I think that, um, well, the first, um, the first lie we told ourselves was, okay, we're, I'm like, we're going to set, you know, we set the low, right? I mean, I think we, you know, we put it for 80 as far as an alarm, to, you know, mm-hmm. for an alarm to go off. And, uh, but we, we, you know, I just thought, man, out of the gates, we are going to like, we're going to put the high, let's put, let's be, uh, a little realistic and let's just put it at like 200. Okay. <laughs> well, for no, for the first, I mean, within, within like 12 hours, you know, she's like, we're, it's beeping, it's going off. And it was always because of the high. That's what we definitely, we kind of felt like we got it. So we would not feel as anxious about her going low. Right. Cause I think, you know, as parents, that's what you're, that's what you're taught to be really scared of. Sure. And, and common sense tells you to be more scared of that in the moment. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, but it took, it took listening to your podcast to realize that I needed to be just as concerned about the highs, to be honest, in the long term. Um, things that would com- come into play by just, you know, her allowing these high blood sugars to, to, con- to continue. So, um, we were obviously over ambitious at how well we thought we were going to control things once we could see it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because that's when we realized that, you know, the pump was going to come into play hopefully with the highs. But so we took the, we, we just removed the alarm for the high for a while. Like we just didn't even want to know, we didn't want it to be going off cause it was going off all the time. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, for us, it was, uh, it, once we learned to trust it at first, I think my husband thought I might, and I think he thought the same for himself, honestly, that we might become a little obsessed with watching mm-hmm. her numbers. Um, but I would say that it took about a week before, you know, we might, we were still, you know, testing her here and there, not just at the calibrating times, but testing her periodically just to kind of see how accurate the Dexcom was. Right. And we, you know, it took about a week for us to realize like, okay, you know, we, it's, it's right. It's, it's accurate. And, um, at least within, you know, a small margin of error. And so, yeah, it it didn't take long for that trust and for us to realize that because we trusted it, we weren't, you know, stalking the app and trying to see, you know, where is she, where is she, where is she? And we really just started to let it tell us, um, and use it as, use it as information instead of using it to like, you know, just to totally dominate our life. Yeah, it's not a um, it's not a report card. It's it's helping you understand, but I have two two thoughts off of what you just said. So, the first one is the concept that people are going to get overwhelmed with the data and just you know, I think that's largely kind of a misnomer. Like it's it's it seems like it's a reasonable thing that's that, to worry about, I guess. Like I know as a person who thinks of myself as somebody who puts information into this space, like initially I was worried about that as well. I was like, Oh God, because, but I realized then I was worried about it because I had found this group of people online who were insane and, right. and they were helicoptering with it. And, and I was like, Oh God, this is going to happen to everybody. But then that wasn't the truth. Not everybody felt mm-hmm. that way. But moreover, the people who began like that eventually stopped being like that too, because yes. they went through the process that you're talking about. It's just like anything else new People have been around a little longer or like, that's not the right way, you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it ends up, I, I would never be concerned about that. It's not true. Even people who obsessively look at the numbers, 
um, I think that eventually it just, it lessens for you and it goes away. I, I can't tell you how infrequently I look at Arden's blood sugar. I look at it more during this podcast so we can talk about it. Like, you know, we were just talking about Arden's you know, right. little thing. She's like, she's 76 right now. I can't tell you how happy I am with that. Yeah. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like that's, it's, she's going to keep drifting up and I'm telling you, she's going to get to 85 or 90 in about an hour or well, 50 minutes. I'm going to have to pre-bolus her for lunch anyway. It's perfect. Um, yeah. But, but my, my other thought was, is now you've got this high, this threshold and it's going to tell you when you go above it. And in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing with the insulin. You think you do, but you're, you really, you really don't. And neither does anyone else right away, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now all you're seeing is God, we miss so greatly that I can't even put this high thing on. It's going to beep all the time. But in the end that becomes, um, a lesson about, okay, well, we, obviously we're not doing it quite right. So what was the first thing you figured out when you realized you were, had no ability to stop it from going over 200? Like what, what, what was the next step you took? You guys that have been listening for a while, you must know when the ads are coming, right? This is one for Dancing for Diabetes, so it's really quick. I've already told you what Elizabeth is doing there with Dancing for Diabetes, just helping kids living with type 1 through dance. Well, she's also putting on a show in November, as she does every year. If you're in the Orlando area... They would love for you to come out. Go to dancing4diabetes.com to find out more. That's it. Dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. What was the next step you took? We were taught early on that, uh, or we were told, um, to wait and dose her after her meals um, because you don't know if she's going to finish everything and, you know, she could be at that age. And honestly, yeah, I can see that in the very beginning, but after a while you start to realize that your child's going to like what their appetite probably is going to be and what's realistic for them to eat, especially when you are in this situation, you're more hyper-focused on, on, I guess, judging that. And so I think for us, um, we realized our first change was, okay, now we have the Dexcom, we can feel comfortable dosing her ahead of her meals, mm -hmm. because that's something you had talked a lot about. But that is was the first step for us to seeing an improvement with the drastic highs, I would say, um, that we and so that took a little time for us to uh, make that realization that that's what we could, that's what we could start doing. Because if we, you know, and then of course, there's times where we, we miss it as far as the, the length of time, but almost, or the food she ate, we, that's when we started to really try to understand her digestive um, tendencies, you know, as right. far as what kinds of foods hit her faster and all of that. But we didn't even have any way to begin assessing that until we started to give her um, her bolus ahead of her meal and timing it. And so that was, that was probably the first change that we got to make. Well, it's funny because what you just said echoes what we said five seconds ago, because before diabetes or with your other kids, have you ever thought, oh gosh, we have a real problem here. These kids don't eat. No. <laughs> right. No. Right. Oh, right. You've never thought that. But the minute you bring the insulin in, it seems like a reasonable concern. Like, oh gosh, what if they don't finish their lunch? And then you realize sometimes you put a full plate in front of somebody and they don't finish their lunch. And now right. you go, oh God, this is a real concern. You've just reinforced your concern with more specious information. And so it's... Mm -hmm. I mean, I get that kids don't always finish their food, but there's like, I tell people all the time, especially with little kids, there's gotta be some amount that you're comfortable. They're always going to eat. 
And and so it just pre-balls that part if you can. And then right. and then, you know, if they keep eating, just put the rest of the insulin in right away. Don't 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 wait around to go, oh, I wonder if diabetes won't work today. It's gonna work. You know, the, mm-hmm. the food's gonna make your blood sugar go up. Get the rest of the insulin in. It's just a, such a simple you need those simple concepts. Like like when I talk about, you know, because I think you err, everyone errs on the side of caution so much, and they do it in so many aspects of diabetes. That's how they end up with high blood sugars. Well, we can't pre bolus, err on the side of caution. What if they don't eat? Um, I don't want to use all the insulin because what if I count the carbs wrong? Err on the side of caution. But you know that always leads to a high. You know, mm-hmm. you, sure, once a month it might be a low, but are you really going to trade 29 days of highs for the one time they're low? Right. You know, you know and, and how do you make those decisions? And when you start talking about learning how to manipulate the insulin, the one thing, gosh, that I said that I have to be honest, I did not think was that impactful that I hear back from so many people in so many walks of life that when you're learning how to use more insulin, just also bolus for the amount of a juice box because you could always give the juice box to counterbalance the insulin. Like like it's a safety net for you when you're testing right. how much more insulin when do you're, I really yeah. need, you know? Yeah, and when you're doing injections, that's another thing for – we felt like our hands were more tied when we were doing injections because if we did give it to her up front and we didn't think, and she ate more than what we were expecting, mm-hmm. then we amends, meant us giving her another injection after she ate. And whereas with the pump, that changes all of that. It's it just, a whole it's different pushing, ball game. Yeah, you're just and so, if you need to. yeah, it, it, it really was, um, the, see having the two go hand in hand. Like I really, I just really get that now that um, they play off of each other so well. They create together. They create, in my opinion, the the best case scenario to attack this. Yeah. So well, it's funny because you hear adults a lot say, "Well, I'm tired of a pump, and they want to go on a pump break, and people do that, right?" And, and injections, I'm doing just as well with injections, and they say that, but they never really tell you what that means. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. It's just like saying hello to somebody and say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, if you could follow them around for three days, you might find out that, you know, their wife's cheating on them and they can't afford to get their car fixed and blah, blah, blah. But they told you they were doing great. And so we never know what that means. And in this space, there are very few people who are willing to say, these are my results. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we're always willing to say, this is what I do. Now, I don't in any way... Um, not respect the concept of burnout or just being tired or you might just want to do it for a while. And maybe you are going to switch back to injections for a while because you're burned out as an adult and it might lead to slightly higher blood sugars and that's not the end of the world. I completely believe that. But the problem isn't, the problem is that sometimes people hear that and just think, oh, I have the same, you just, there's no, Unless you're willing to, and I've only talked to a couple of people in 150 episodes who are willing to, just inject every time you need to. And there are some people who are willing to do that. They're going to be fine. But if you're not, you can't, you can't manipulate things without a pump if you're not right. willing to inject all the time. And so, right. and that's the real honesty of it. You know, um, Somebody who's now down to like, I'm injecting before my meal – and then I wait three hours again. There is just, unless they are magical, there's no way they're, they're you know what I mean? That they're, they're unless they're the a unicorn. Results. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're <laughs> an actual unicorn, there's no way that they're doing the same thing without multiple injections. Um, right. And so I think people get confused with that and they go, oh, okay, or this is good enough, or this is, you know, once people set the expectation that this is just how it goes, 
And then they just accept it. No, my blood sugar went to 250. It only sat there for 45 minutes and it came back down. Of course, it did get to 180 before I had to bolt. I had to inject myself again. And then it got low later. Well, what? Like, like you, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you had your pump, you were doing it a completely different way that wasn't resulting in a high and it wasn't resulting in a low like that. And moving to, uh, for us seeing, uh, actually a funny story about going on a pump break. Um, but first it's just funny. Uh, one of the things that we feel like has also been, and maybe it's just our imagination, but I don't think so based on the story I'm about to tell you, but going to, um, I didn't understand that the pump utilized fast acting insulin on a constant drip to substitute for the Lantus we were using. Like I didn't, I didn't totally understand that until I went to the class. Okay. And, um, that seems to have been something that right away we noticed an improvement with, and we only felt like, because we knew we were still not doing a great job at, um, the bolus part, mm-hmm. we've, we learning that, that fast acting insulin dripping, you know, for the 24 hours that seemed to have a better effect on her than the Lantus ever did. Yeah, a lot of like that, slow, that slow-acting insulin is an inexact. So it's, it's amazing insulin, but it's an inexact science. It, I don't know if anybody's ever talked to you about it, but you inject it, it crystallizes under your skin in like a rock. And then, no. it, and then it basically melts away slowly. I wondered. Yeah, that's how. That's, <laughs> like, and, and so there are times when your body absorbs it faster, it, it disintegrates quicker, you know, whatever it ends up being. That's how you see like kind of lows with oh. it. And then, and then sort of at the end of the 24 hour period where people see highs because the companies that make this insulin can say all they want, that it's real steady for 24 hours, but that's kind of BS. And so yes. some people split their Lannis or their Levomere or their whatever the other one is, like they'll do half of it or, you know, or, or figure out what the breakup is and do like every 12 hours some. Wow. Right. And to, yeah. try to, to try to keep it more consistent in their, in their system. Interesting. Yeah. But nobody, again, uh, no one's going to tell you that, you, you know? Right. So. I'm actually getting notifications about Kayla right now. Oh, no kidding. What are we looking at? I just, I don't know. I don't want to hang up on you by looking. Let's see. Uh, are you still there? I'm here. You're doing great. Okay. All right. Let's see. I just didn't know if by changing screens. So she's 77 diagonal down, but it's 1045. So she's actually about to get a visit from her dad mm-hmm. uh, to dose her for lunch. So he'll 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 take that into consideration. But it's lunchtime. But she has been at let's see. I always think it's a win for if for 24 hours we've not gone over 200, even like in a weird spike. Like for me, that's like yes, that's been a good 24 hours. But yeah, for the last 12 hours or even six hours since breakfast or the early this morning, she's been under 120 and pretty steady. That's so awesome. that's, that's a good, I'll take that. Yeah. That's and, good. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to boast my um, clairvoyant skills, but Arden's blood sugar is 95. So nice. Yeah. Nice. And so, but that's a, it's such a good point, by the way, two things. First of all, 77 diagonal down right before lunch, huge win, huge yeah. win. Fantastic. Um, and what I just did by telling you, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I expect her blood sugar to be 95, that to people should not be like, oh, well, this guy's better at it than I am. What you should think is, I used to be terrible at this, but I've had enough experiences in these moments that I actually, I just know what to do and it works out. Yeah. Well, and you I know? think it's just a long time ago, I, when I would hear you talk about a straight line, like especially overnight, mm-hmm. that's still a rare thing for us, but... 
when it happens, or even if it happens for a couple hours in a row, now that I actually see that happening, I wanted it to be true when I would hear you or one of your guests talk about it, but it's like, that gave me hope, but now it's a reality sometimes. And so it makes me feel like, okay, I can't always make that happen, but it technically is achievable. Like there are times where I can, I can hope and expect it to happen. You know, it's doable. All that you should take, all that you should take from the fact that it, that you can accomplish that is that it's possible like that. And because that possibility is enough for me, at least in my mind, to stop me from going, oh, 200, nothing I can do about it. Like right. that, that's all, because there is something I can do. A, a person contacted me this morning uh, through Instagram, which by the way, people, I do not like chatting through Instagram, but okay, if that's how you do it. Um, and, and so, <laughs> and she said, um, you know, what do I do about the dawn phenomenon? And she told me what she was doing. I'm like, well, you're doing all the right stuff. And she's like, well, it's not working. And I was like, well, more insulin. Like, it's not really, like, you can, like, stop searching for, like, why. Like, oh, it's the dawn phenomenon. No, your blood sugar's higher. Uh, Oh, no, it's Chinese food. No, there's a lot of carbs in that. Like, like it's just, all of this stuff is the same thing. Uh, If your blood sugar's high, you need more insulin. If your blood sugar's Mm -hmm. low, you needed less insulin. You had to time it better. It's not like some, there's not some magical phenomenon that's changing the nature of diabetes. There is something pushing your blood sugar up, but the answer, right. the answer is still the same, right? Right. Insulin. Yeah. I need more insulin. And so yeah. it, it's, it's not, and even as I'm talking to this person, she listens, she'll know it's going to be her and hi. And, and, but, <laughs> but like she didn't do anything wrong. And I was being like flippant when I was getting back to her. I'm like, you just need more insulin. And she laughed and she's like, I know, but like, what about this? And I'm like, you're not doing anything wrong. I said, the only thing I can't give you is like you're an adult so there's no one helping you so if you slept through an alarm you know Hmm. that's that that's the only x factor between me and her is that she's doing it herself and i'm doing it for somebody and that's it and still i sleep through alarms still Arden had a a great 24 hours (laughs) yesterday except for the the alarm i didn't hear at 2 a.m that you know let her be a little higher than i wanted her to be until we finally until my wife was like, are you hearing that? And I'm like, what? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't hear anything, which is terrible because I am apparently, as I'm waking up, rude and flippant when I answer people's questions. So my, so my wife's always like, why do you talk to me like that? I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying to you. I'm asleep. And, I'm asleep. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, you know, Kelly and I had a, 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 a pretty heated conversation yesterday because we are still in this spot where – the way I do this, it's not it's not natural for her. Like she's more mathematical, and I was like, "Though, no, listen, people listen to the podcast whose brains work more mathematically too, but they get through it." And I said, "I don't know how to explain it to you, like quickly. I only know how to talk about it like for an hour or once a week till it starts making sense, like you know." Yeah. And I was like, "Maybe you should listen to the podcast." <laughs> and then she looked at me like. I would say that was yeah, not the right thing yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you're an idiot. And I was like, no, I mm. know. And then she was mad at me. But um, yeah. but it, it is, it's still very difficult to – There's there are concepts that we talk about here every week that I promise you, once you understand them, will lead to exactly what we're talking about. Right. But it takes and that's the time. nice thing. I mean, Paul and I try to – I mean, we because we both are pretty equally involved in her care – I mean, on the school hours, even though I might get notifications and he might text me something crazy going on or he'll say, have you seen her sugar? You know, or, you know, whatever, in a good way or a bad way. And uh, we communicate a lot, but he's, you know, he, we're kind of equal, but that doesn't mean that there's not times where he hears 
something, a tip or information on something he kind of follows or, or tracks and vice versa with me that we aren't somewhat still challenging each other. And I think the biggest thing is hearing you. I've heard you say so many times, like, you know, you can spend a lot of energy trying to figure out the why, but in the moment, like it really doesn't matter. She either needs more insulin or she needs more sugar. And you just kind of have to do that. And he and I have, that's a challenge for both of us is because both of us want we like information. We want to think through things. We want to make the right decision or keep ourselves from making the wrong decision next time. So we both tend to be over analytical. And so that's been a good challenge for both of us at moments. One of us will look at the other and be like, right now, it really doesn't matter why. The bottom line is this is, we need to act and then maybe we'll figure it out. And I know that the devices have the ability to make a note of maybe what you did or something along the lines, but we haven't really gotten into that. Do you do that ever? I I always look at that and think, what a nice idea. (laughs) And I don't do it because then I'm going to go back and look at it. But I I got no time for that. I'm moving forward. Always moving forward. I listen, here's how I drive on the highway. If there's space in front of me where there's no car, I put my car into it. That is my concept. I'm always going forward. I don't doubt that it might be helpful for me to look back and say, oh, look at this. But I just, my brain just does not work that way. Like, if I wish, if you were with me today when I was stopping Arden's drift and adding stuff at the right time, and then when she didn't get back to me at right time, changing what I did, there's literally no conceivable rhyme or reason to what I'm doing other than I'm looking at that line and deciding what I think is right. Um, And I think that as difficult as that is, if you really want to live as kind of unencumbered as you can with diabetes, that needs to be how it eventually occurs to you because you can't, I mean, really think of what you're talking about here. Like you really want to send Kayla out in the world where she's busy doing math and constantly all day long for 24 hours for the rest of her life. Like you need to get her into a place where she just sort of knows, you you Mm -hmm. know, and that's going to take time. It's going to take an incredible amount of time. But I think it's, I think it's the most natural way. And, and beyond that, I I hate to talk like this, but in 2020, these things are going to start making a lot more decisions for us. Right. So, and so it is going to be even more important for you to understand the magic of it because so much is going to happen between that algorithm and that pump that you're not really going to know why it's doing what it's doing. But if you see what the line is doing, if you see how much insulin goes in at that moment and the timing of it, you'll, that to me is it. I don't know. It's not magic. It's like art a yeah. little bit. Like it really yeah. is. It's like painting. I see that. Yeah, it's, I wanted it to be the other way though. I wanted it to be oh, yeah. an A plus B equals C. And that was extremely like frustrating for me for, I spent too, way too much energy being frustrated over that. Trying to make and, diabetes fit yeah, into like a, yeah. like, that's a, see when I tell people you can't expect a light switch fix for diabetes, that's what I'm saying. Like there's no, it's not a pill. It's not like a, you know, you hear people all the time like, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my basils right. I laugh at them. I'm like, what a fool's errand. You're going to get your basils right. What? And then the kid's going to grow three more pounds or you're mm-hmm. going to lose 10 pounds or you're going to get stressed out at work or blah, blah, blah. Or this is going to, or all about a million different things are going to happen and your basil needs are going to change. 
just yeah. set a basil rate that's about right and bump it around once in a while with temporary basils. It's, yeah. it's because you're it's a it's it's this dream that you're going to put everything in this exact situation. You're going to learn how to count carbs exactly right and then once you do that, this is all going to be easy. But that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, like not for you me know, at least, you know. Right. And you know what that reminds me of um a quote that I that really was kind of, you know, mind altering for me going through this was I really felt that way in the beginning, just a very, like, this is not easy, just kind of focused on it being hard. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize until I, until I heard this quote, I didn't realize this is what I was doing, but I heard a quote that was something along the lines of hard doesn't always mean bad. Sometimes hard is just hard. And I had started to make diabetes bad and because it was hard. Right. And, um, so that just really shifted me to go, you know what, this isn't bad. It's just hard. And something's hard. Sometimes hard is just hard. And so I need to stop looking for easy and, you know, just start to realize what I do have control over and what I don't, but that, you know, it's hard. And was, was that quote about marriage just, when you read it? Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it could be applied to a lot of things. It I certainly think, could. But, well, that's it, yeah. but it's a very thoughtful way to think about it. Like just because it's not, Listen, this is, this is, I'm going to, I don't know, I sound like a broken record at some point, but nothing is guaranteed in life. There's another saying that helps you. Like, we all have this expectation. Like, look, you grow up, your parents take care of things. And mm-hmm. some people don't have that situation. So life gets harder for them earlier. So when something gets hard back, they expect it. I grew up, I'm adopted. I don't know if you know that. So I'm adopted. Oh, I'm adopted. I was adopted right as I was born by people who divorced when I was 13. On my 13th birthday, my dad left my mom. Like, literally, oh, we wow. had dinner for my birthday. He took a shower, and he left. My life got very hard right then and there. Yeah. And and so I'm accustomed to things not going well. We grew up without money. We grew up without a dad. We grew up when my mom didn't drive a car. You, you know what I mean? Like, like we were – like, things were hard. So I expect life not to be easy. And when it yeah. isn't – and when it isn't easy – I'm not thwarted by it. I don't go, oh, this is it. I was promised, you know, a rose garden and I got a bunch of weeds. I just yeah. go, okay, I'll let me get these weeds out of here so we can plant some flowers. And 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 I think that some people don't have that. Some people just grow up in great situations where things are taken care of for them. They have this really wonderful pie-in-the-sky expectation that life is just going to go like that. And then can you imagine if you have that expectation and then not only does it suddenly not go like that, but it's this, it's diabetes. Yeah. It's not just like my dog peed on my carpet and I just bought it. Like, it's like, it's this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you... It's like a lifelong sentence of hard. <laughs> right. And then you form an adversarial uh, um, relationship with diabetes. Yeah. And and I'm telling you that when my daughter got diabetes, I was just like, eh, yeah, that figures. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> This was always going to happen, wasn't it? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like when I was, you know, uh, 15 years old and my mom was like, couldn't pay the bills. I, I, I didn't go, oh God, we're going to die. I'm like, all right, everyone sit down. Let's figure this out. Um, yeah. And I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm just lucky that my life went like this and then dovetailed into diabetes because I am, I always say in a very specifically, in a specific way, when the zombies come, Mandy, you come get me because we're going to live through it, uh, yeah. you know, because, <laughs> yeah. because I literally be like, just zombies. <laughs> They're not going to leave me on my birthday, are they? Like, like right. you, you know, like it's just, mm, I think sometimes yeah. it is just your perspective 
And that's why True. I talk about perspective so much on here. Cause I think it's a huge part of, it's a huge part well, of your yeah. attitude and how do you end up handling things because of it? Attitude. It's really true. The attitude, attitude can be everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it really can. And that goes with the fear too. I mean, for me, I think our fear of making the transition from injections to, you know, technology and devices was, wasn't so much about the the concern of being overwhelmed by the information or, you know, which like you said, you hear a lot. Uh, it was just, we, we get comfortable and familiar are, are things that are familiar when life, when things are hard, anything that at least feels stable mm-hmm. or consistent starts to, it starts to make it seem like, Oh, it's easier this way. Right but that doesn't mean it's better this way. Yeah. And that was like a huge shift to be like, well, there could be something better, but I have to not be afraid of learning something new and leaving our little current way of doing things because I don't think it's, I just, I don't think it's, wor- it's working well enough to keep her, I don't want to say alive, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's working well enough to do that, but I don't think it's going to give her her best life or her best chance at this. And so that was the fear I had to go from. Well, I'll Um, I'll tell you, so two things I I think to say, first of all, I just went on my little rant, but I want to say to people that I get if you, maybe you grew up really, you know, horribly. And this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, I'm not saying that if you're not dealing with it, well, you're somehow, you're somehow just doing something wrong. Everyone's different. But right. it's, it's just an over, you know, it's an overarching idea that just, you know, sometimes you're, it's, it is about your perspective and there are, listen, you could have grown up terribly and then gotten diabetes and I can see that being overwhelming, but we also, you know, for Americans at least, you know, there's this expectation things are going to go well. You're going to grow up, buy a house, get a car, go to college, like you'll get a job. It'll be fine. Some pretty girl will talk to you. You'll have babies. Like everyone thinks that. Most of the rest of the planet doesn't think that, you, you, you know, like most of the rest of the mm. planet struggles. Um, I saw some video last night of some bombing in Syria. Every building's made out of cinder blocks. Yeah. Like they all just live in cinder block squares, you, you, you know, and people are dropping bombs on them. So if you gave one of those people diabetes, they'd probably just be like, eh, eh, yeah, well, I guess so. You, you yeah. know, like, like it just, it's, it will make it much harder, but it's your, it's your expectation of what life means that that changes how you accept bad stuff when it happens and and so if you can manipulate that inside yourself your expectation for things i can't I, i'm not trying to say like like set the bar really low and you'll never be disappointed but i have to say that is probably one of my personal mantras like don't ex- <laughs> don't expect too much and you'll never be let down and then any, well, anything anything over that is just great you know you're just yeah. like oh great so um, yeah, and I don't want to come off like, I mean, it took me about two years, I would say, till when I started to have that shift in my attitude. I mean, the first two years, I felt like this was very unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things for her. She's had other medical challenges and um, things like that that have been, that consumed much of her first several years. And so when this happened, I really felt like, well, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this can't be happening, too. Right. I. I did have the feeling like, well, surely nothing else could come along. That would be um, just unfair. harder than what we've already been through. And then this happened. And so it, it put me in a tailspin as far as emotionally. I was a wreck for a while, at least internally. I was definitely um, probably more wrecked than what I showed on the outside. But 
I just, I felt like this is, was a bad hand that she got dealt and it mm-hmm. wasn't fair. And, and um, it's all of a sudden it's your hand too. And, yeah. 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 Oh, please. Same thing. Crying in the shower. Uh, you know, like my wife would come home, like, you know, for after a late night at work with like food and I'm like, don't bring food in the house. Like, like, you know, like, it's just like, why would you bring food into here? And like, you know, just the, uh, shaking the whole time. First two years, really bad for me. Um, yeah. recently I haven't really talked about it yet too much on the podcast, but Arden had to start taking Synthroid, um, okay. for her thyroid. And I cried about that. I was like, how could she yeah. have gotten another thing? Like, how could another thing have happened? Um, yeah. but then I went and found a bunch of people who have, thyroid issues and diabetes and they're doing good. So, you know, like Kayla has celiac on top of it too. And I've heard a couple of your podcasts where celiac has entered the picture and that's my pediatrician, I think was, she was like, I know you can handle this if Mm -hmm. anyone can, but I'm still scared to tell you what I'm about to tell you. And I was like, what? I think we also found out recently Arden's lactose intolerant, which we didn't realize for a while. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yay. That's what, yeah, the celiac, honestly, I was like, okay, like, you know, okay, we can do this, you know. Um, Arden has such a good good attitude. Like, literally last night, she's like, "Uh, I'm going to have ice cream. And I was like, okay. And she and I said, you know, you take the lactate. And she's like, yeah, yeah. She, she was already doing it. And she takes it and she starts eating the ice cream. And she goes, well, either this is going to be okay or I'm going to have diarrhea. <laughs> and, I was like, <laughs> and she just said it like so matter of factly. I was like, yep. well, good for you. Um, yep. And sorry yep. about all this. Uh, but but you yep. know, like really just like you know, a, a good soul, I guess. And and I think that's just something you have to tend to on your own. You really do have to keep your that part of you alive or this all can really eat you up pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Sense of humor is good, which if you, if we have time, I want to tell you the, our involuntary uh, break from the Omnipod mm-hmm. well, um, that happened. This, we're, we're a little over an hour. Go ahead and tell this oh. one. We'll go out on this one. Go ahead. Okay. So we, um, you know, here we've adjusted to having the pump now too, since beginning of August and, uh, we went on a winter break vacation uh, to go out skiing, and I had done, you know, some research about, you know, cold weather and insulin and, you know, just anything that, and, and skiing, you know, all of this, and I'm thinking, but this is good. We've got our pump. We've got her Dexcom. Uh, you know, we've got this. We can do this, right. and uh, because of the holidays and the way her insurance works, long story short is that they did not get the paperwork processed for her next renewal of her pumps in time for us to get the shipment before we left for vacation. <laughs> and so, yeah. Now you're and skiing so, with, with pens again. That's great. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, we'll do a little pump break. Not what I had planned at all, but we can roll with this. And honestly, I thought I'm, I was, if one of the two devices were going to go, it was the pump because I thought I just can't imagine though what we what it would have been like to not have her Dexcom working and us out there skiing and doing things that you know her body's not used to doing. So if one of the two had to go, the the pump. But she she handled it great and uh, at first she was kind of like yay injections again. I mean you know it was almost like a little nostalgic you know like okay <laughs> we'll do we'll, yeah we'll do shots again and and it was funny how quickly you know it was good for us to realize that. We hadn't forgotten all that. It's like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. You just go back to it, but you quickly realize that this is not our preferred method. Like right. her sugars were very hard to manage because on top of it, we had anxiety and excitement and travel and weird sleep routines and right. skiing, you know, cold weather, all of those factors that we're not used to having on a regular basis. We had for a week, uh, but we managed and then it was 
the icing on the cake, though, was with two days left, we knew her transmitter was going to probably expire while we were gone. So we had packed her backup transmitter Mm -hmm. to change out. And sure enough, with two days left in the trip, you know, it happened. And so we changed out the transmitter and our phone kept saying it couldn't pair with it and it couldn't find it and to re-enter the number. And we're going, what is going on? Well, sure enough, I mean, after multiple attempts and Dexcom being great, they have a great, I love that we can call them anytime and say, we need help. And they really tried to walk us through it. And finally it was like, yeah, you got a bad transmitter. I mean, we don't know what to tell you. And so... (laughs) For the last 48 hours, she, we took that off, and she was on a meter and on, on, on injections for a couple of days until we got back to town, and then all the new stuff arrived, and we got her back up and running, but was not at all my plan, you know, and, uh, but we rolled with it. So I, I, if you go back about 20 episodes right now, you'll see one where we're at uh, the Adele concert, and Arden's PDM just fries. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, now? Really? Right this second? Not at home or not at, you know, blah, blah. Or, you know, listen, we just, the timeline will be all messed up, but um, Izzy Meehan just had a terrible car accident. Her blood sugar got really low. If you've heard about that in the community, not just Uh a 17-year-old girl coming home from high school, um, crashed her car. They think she may have been going up to 100 miles an hour at points. Oh, man. And thrown from the car, really direly injured. And I I was talking to her mom on the phone, and I remember thinking, like, and I said to her, I'm like, God, it's so random. Had she just been in science class, she would have just passed out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And and that freaking PDM could have, I mean, I had it for years. It could have went bad at any time. It really, I left my home, drove into a city, was in a concert. That's the moment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's how I felt. I'm like, really now? You're like, Like, when we can't do anything? Yeah. Yeah, I get these transmitters all the time. They always work. The one bad one I get, (laughs) I'm skiing. Like, like, uh, I hear you. I really do. Um, Well, I, yeah. you were really delightful. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thanks really for having me. I hope it's, I hope it's help, I, helpful to somebody like the rest have been for me. Thank you very much for listening to episode 183 of the Juice Box podcast. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in every week. Please tell a friend about the show if you think they would enjoy it. That's it. Well, I mean, that's it, except for to say thank you to Dancing for Diabetes. Don't forget, in November, they're having their big show. Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that Arden's been using since she was four years old, and of course, the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Links for all of these wonderful things are available in your show notes right there in your podcast app, or of course, at juiceboxpodcast.com. I hope everyone had a wonderful summer. I hope you guys have a ton of luck sending the kids back to school. There's a whole bunch of 504 information on my blog if you need it at ardensday.com. Otherwise, I am very excited to keep bringing you the show every week. I have a lot planned for the rest of the year, and I can't wait to get going. I need to send my own kid back to school so I can get some stuff accomplished. I'll see you next week.